0: Greetings, in the name of the Triune God, welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Salmonach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit Salmonch That's S O M O N A U K Baptist Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Welcome to the SBC Daily Word for Tuesday, July 20th. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes today, starting in chapter 11, verse 7, all the way to verse 8 of chapter 12. We're kind of going to see together how this section really goes together as one unit. Um, And this will actually be the conclusion of our Ecclesiastes series. Uh, We're going to take at least a few weeks off kind of here towards the end of the summer uh, from our SBC Daily Words and kind of recalibrate and and figure out how we want to proceed as things somewhat get back to normal. I'd like to have some type of outreach through this technology, um, even indefinitely, but I still want to figure out kind of how that's going to work. So at the very least, we're going to take a couple of weeks off. So this will be our last SBC Daily Word uh, for at least a couple of weeks. So we're kind of wrapping things up. And one of the things that we're going to see in this final section is the teacher wants his pupils to rejoice at the life that we have in the present. If you were to go back and trace what the teacher has been saying to God's people as they're beginning to build their life together again, is he wants them to be a people of joy. This is the seventh time in the book of ecclesiastes where the teacher has commanded us to rejoice beloved i'm zealous for many things in my teaching ministry but one of the things that i'm becoming more and more zealous for is to remind god's people that we as christians should be a people who rejoice tim keller talks about how other world religions cause us to sit in suffering and try to avoid suffering and and, and despair. Perhaps what Christianity does is it causes us to face our suffering and understand that suffering is not going to have the last word. So even in the midst of suffering, Christians can find reasons to rejoice. What we're going to see, however, in this text is life even in this fallen world is still gives us reason to rejoice. Now, that's the first clue. This text is going to give us for the seventh time in Ecclesiastes kind of in a complete rounded way a command to rejoice. But secondly, verse 8, okay, in chapter 12 is like a pivot into um the epilogue okay so we've got this poem about life and death and conclusion and transition so what this does is our text is going to tell us we are going to die and then the epilogue so there's kind of this idea here in ecclesiastes that everything is coming to a conclusion and now we kind of need to find a settled space. So let's look at chapter 11, starting in verse seven. Our wise sage takes the words of Solomon and gives us as his young Jedi's a worldview. He wants our worldview to be one of joy and one of memory. Look at verse seven of chapter eight. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Even those who live many years Should rejoice in them all. Yet let them remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. So there's this posture that we are given. And understand that even in this life that sometimes can feel meaningless, there are still glimmers of light. And our sage says, find joy in that light. But, and here's the tension, recall that there will be in this life under the sun days of darkness. There'll be many days of darkness that that all of life is, is, is peppered with these days of darkness. And there will be in some measure, a certain kind of vanity. But, and again, it's kind of the character of wisdom literature. Here's the truth. Here's the truth and it's sometimes difficult to see how they connect together now in verses 9 to 10 the sage commands us rejoice rejoice especially while you are young rejoice i'm in ecclesiastes eleven nine. rejoice young man while you are young and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth Follow the inclination of your heart and the desire of your eyes. So there's a command here where the sage says, especially when you're young, squeeze joy out of life. While you're involved in sports, while you're hanging out with your friends, give yourself to finding joy. Okay, Um, there's this comic strip um, called The Heart and the Brain that I saw recently, and it's the brain and the heart, and they talk to each other. And in this comic strip, The Brain said, how do kids manage to have so much fun doing so little? Heart responds, nobody has told them to stop acting like a kid yet. That's kind of what the sage is getting at, and especially as as parents – we need to create spaces in which our kids, their imaginations, their inclination for joy can thrive. Beloved, I am sad when I see parents squelching their kids' imagination. You know, that character at the end of the year who lives in the North Pole, he's not real. I don't have much patience for that. I don't think Ecclesiastes does either. Let your childhood, let the children that you love, let them enjoy the joy of youth. But anticipate that all of our deeds will come under judgment. Look at the second half of verse 9. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment banish anxiety from your mind and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Yes, sometimes the Bible seems schizophrenic and we have to figure out what context is this wisdom speaking into that ultimately every deed that you and I ever engage in is going to confront the merciful, healing judgment of God but that doesn't mean we don't give ourselves to joy. So what does this look like then, okay? So now in chapter 12, and again, this is the last section of his argument because the rest is just the epilogue, the conclusion. The sage commands us, and this is where we find joy and then the tension possibly that that the things we're gonna do are gonna come under judgment. The key to living in that space is to remember our creator. Remember our creator first when life is good. Verse one of chapter 12, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. So when life is good, remember your creator. Verses two to five, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return with the rain. In the day when the guards of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, And the women who grind cease working because they are few, and those who look through the windows see dimly. When the doors on the street are shut, and the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low, when one is afraid of heights and terrors are in the road, the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because all must go to their eternal home and the mourners will go about in the streets before you are old before everything changes so when life is good remember your creator before you are old remember your creator and then finally verses 6 and 7 before the silver cord is snapped and the gold bow is broken the gold bowl is broken and the pitcher is broken at the fountain the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the breath returns to God who gave it so before you die so, all times in your life, when life is good, before you are old, while you are still alive, remember your creator. Remember your creator. So, what what principles can we draw from kind of a perplexing text? I think at least one, and again I referred to this earlier, one wisdom principle we can draw from this text. Reverence for God and reveling in life go hand in hand reverence for god and reveling in life go hand in hand there's this ancient definition of a puritan i forget who gave us this definition but the thing that characterizes a puritan is this anxiety that somewhere someone might be having fun love it i think for biblical Christian, the concern of the text is somewhere someone might not be having fun. That ultimately, this text and other texts enjoin us to a life that says, because God is creator, who's given me this good world, who's given me these things to enjoy, one of the best ways you and I can revere him is by reveling in his good gifts. Listen to this warning that Paul gives Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will renounce the faith by paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared with a hot iron. So he's describing where people will go and what they believe and what they do and the things that they teach and the lies that they tell in these latter times what will these liars these teachings of demons these these lies by deceitful spirits these people who renounce the faith what will they do paul says i'm glad you asked verse three They will forbid marriage. They will demand abstinence from foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected, provided it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by God's word and by prayer. Beloved, one of the things false teachers do is give us commands that limit our joy in the good gifts of God. Beloved, one of the best things we can garner from the teaching and wisdom of Ecclesiastes is that even in times of prosperity, sometimes Ecclesiastes says, share your resources. Many times in Ecclesiastes, we are told, enjoy God's good gifts. St. Augustine famously said, he loves thee too little, he loves anything together with thee, which he loves not for thy sake. Beloved, we can set apart good food, good drink, joyful times together with those we love, and receive those good things as a gift from God. And God says, that is faithful. Those people having a good time, thanking me for the good things that I created for them to enjoy, that is what the good and wise life looks like. Beloved, wise people are not boring people. Wise people receive God's good gifts with gratitude. Beloved, may you and I find joy and everything good in our good creator. May grace and peace and everything good be yours in King Jesus.